Hi, you with Julian on the Brown Notes in my Saturday afternoon homebound album reviews as it seems to be panning out. And a review of Neil Young's Noise and Flowers. It wouldn't be a normal week without Neil Young releasing an album. It's only a couple of weeks since I reviewed the last one, uh, which was Toast. Um, he's doing what's an archival release series, which is um, consists of... 19 early 1970s acoustic sets from places and albums that were recorded and then thrown away like toast which was the um, crazy horse version of the lackluster are you passionate album i thought much superior to and some truly great live stuff as well last year's um the the live version of tonight's the night that was much more rambunctious with crazy horse uh, that was live in the rust bucket. That was awesome. One of the best releases. And I think all these releases sort of going. Um, I've seen people say, you know, there's there's the one tier which is just for completists. There's the mid tier which is of some interest, and then there's the top tier which is usually something he's done with Crazy Horse, but perhaps not Toast to that degree. Even though I really liked it. Well, this one's Noise and Flowers, and this is a really interesting live album. From Neil Young. It was um, done with the promise of the real. And the promise of the real are the whippersnapper version of his venerable touring band Crazy Horse. Uh, his most famous friends and musician backing on, on many of his most celebrated records. And the promise of the real are a band on their own like Crazy Horse were. And the lead singer Lucas someone... He's um, the guy that Bradley Cooper based the character in Star is Born off. He's like a corporate dream boy rock star. Um, but they've done middling albums with Neil Young uh, in the studio. But um, this live document is much, much more interesting. It's done for um, his 50-year uh, manager, Elliot Rod Roberts, who passed away um, around 2019. And they embarked on a tour of Europe, playing songs for him. I suspect songs that he particularly liked from Neil Young's catalogue. And where this absolutely shines and becomes one of the most appetising releases in the Neil Young archive series is the set list, which is just a joke. If you know anything about Neil Young, you know that he is the most cantankerous person on earth, the famed story of him going into the 1980s and being sued by his record label Geffen for not being Neil Young enough and some wag pointing out that him not being Neil Young enough was the most Neil Young thing he could do. So you're never going to get a greatest hits package from Neil Young. Um, I saw him live on the Psychedelic Pill Tour which I thought was a fantastic album. And he didn't even play many oldies. And I was happy. I didn't want to see Cortez or Like a Hurricane in that environment. I wanted to hear the new stuff. I'd heard those songs so many times. And the fact that he wasn't the chicken in the basket act. So what you get here for the first time in forever is a greatest hits. And you can look back at two pivotal live albums where that may have been the case. One was World in the early 90s which was the defining Crazy Horse document. That would define a lot of his most famous slow burn rockers. 
um, that go on for 10 minutes or even 18, I think, in the case of Like a Hurricane. Cortez the Killer, Rocking in the Free World. So many of his, uh, My My Hey Hey, so many of his big tunes were rendered in their best form in that sort of post-Raggy Glory, early 90s grunge glow, uh, which will likely never be repeated, and he's never really gone back to focus on that iconic set list of his career, particularly those 70 songs. And the other was, bizarrely, the first album I bought by Neil Young, which was Live Rust. Um, I got that, I think, around the time Freedom came out, because I just didn't know who he was, and it was a cheap set. And I thought I was buying Rust Never Sleeps. And I encountered my first uh, memory of how cantankerous Neil Young was by the fact that when I did buy Rust Never Sleeps shortly after, I was expecting to hear the studio versions of these songs that I'd really liked on Live Rust. But they aren't any. It's, it's, it's still a live album. All the songs on Rust Never Sleep are recorded live anyway. And then he releases live rust it's like well they're both live um but the one thing that live rust in this collection has in common and which is uh, an area where that makes this one of his most interesting live documents and where it it breaks away from weld which was entirely electric stuff is that this is like live rust a mix of acoustic and electric to a degree that he's not really done in the modern era um he rarely does it on albums and when he has, famously on Rust Never Sleeps, we got an entire acoustic side, live, of course, and then an entire electric side. But this blends backwards and forwards. And also, a real rarity for him is the tracks that are chosen here. You're never going to see a set list. For, for a Neil Young fan, this is catnip territory. And they do a great job. And I didn't really like it that much the first time I heard it. I found it a bit muddy. So this is really rare in that it's a collection that has really grown on me. Um, we get impossibly a couple of um, classics from the 1960s from him, from Buffalo Springfield. It opens with this really sort of I can't get no satisfaction stomp of Mr. Soul. Very early Neil Young track, which is um, it gives off the vibe that is probably most central to this performance, which comes as a DVD as well. I haven't seen the video footage of it. Apparently it splits in black and white for a half and then colour for a half. I'm not really sure why. Apologies, I've got a cold. It just won't shift. My nose is, my uh, voice is very nasally. But it gives you a sense of um, the defining characteristic of the music here, which is a very energetic this is a really full of life performance. Um, and the second track, the title track from Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. You could just go through this set list and just go, wow, these songs probably won't ever appear on the set list again. And they probably haven't ever before. You can go back to stuff like World, which focuses on his famed you know, guitar epics, or Live Rust, which focuses on both. Um, but in between, it's been very different. You're not really going to get such a wide-ranging... I don't think... That, there's no song on here that's after 1995. Very un-Neil Young to do that. Um, uh, Helpless, uh, again, is the third track. So we've got Mr. Soul, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, and Helpless is the opening three. And Helpless is so unbelievably lovely. It's one of the loveliest he's ever sounded. It sounds like knock, 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 knocking on heaven's door. 
It's beautiful. Um, field of opportunity is probably <coughs> not as interesting. Um, Alabama's beautiful. Um, real surprise here is um, from that from uh, track six and seven, they go into two ten-minute crazy horse guitar meltdowns. So after Helpless and Field of Opportunity in Alabama are much sort of more after the gold rushy <coughs> and a lot more sort of gentle and lilting and acoustic, we get like a 20 minute blitzkrieg and throw your hatred, <coughs> excuse me, throw your hatred down was on Mirable with Pearl Jam and the first time I ever saw Neil Young live was at the Reading Festival. I'll tell you the story. So he made an album with Pearl Jam. I didn't like it. It was called Mirable. I didn't like Pearl Jam. Um, and that was the first time I saw Neil Young live. It was like, uh <laughs> But it was at the Reading Festival, which is a godforsaken hellhole, uh, in 1995, I believe. And um, it's a really, gr it's, like, it's, it's like the bad drugs of British Music Festival. It's, it's, it's grotty and ugly and oh, even the camping sucks. I don't know what it's like now. But on the Sunday night, none of my friends wanted to go and see Neil Young. So I went out there, we're wrapped in a duvet because it's freezing, wearing a really silly flowery hat and um, got descended on by this group of bikers. I don't know where they were from. And we ransacked all the tents for from the, um, the press, like Melody Maker and the NME. And we stole all their plastic tables and chairs and built a massive funeral pile. In the middle of the crowd, giving off black smoke. That was a very strange evening. I can't remember what I was talking about. Sorry, anyway, Throw Hate You Down was, um, you know, a nothing track. But here, it is Scarborough. It is almost um, a bit my, my, hey, hey, out of the blue into the black. It's even got the, like, the even though the chorus is a little bit hokey, it's got this grand sweep, like, like a hurricane or something like that. And it sounds like it's, 10 minutes old, about four minutes in. And the follow-up, Rocking in the Free World, is one of the few times, one of maybe only a couple, where this fights world, the 92 live album, where you can directly compare and contrast the sort of Crazy Horse live version from back then with here. Um, personally, I think the world versions are probably the, the best, but this is a very different one. It's, um, it's really furious... It almost sounds like it was edited because it jumps quite a lot. Even though it's 10 minutes long, I wonder if it was a lot longer than that. Um, it's got multiple solos. So one thing you do get here a lot is um, the other band members soloing, which you don't get with Crazy Horse at all. Um, so it's got like this solo in it. So it's like, that's like the closest to Led Zeppelin. I've heard Neil Young sound, like a whole lot of love sample. Um, and I thought it could... You know, I thought it could have gone on even longer. This one's like, it's so furious. It sounds like it's 10 minutes old, three minutes in. It's absolutely terrific. And then you get some really, really beautiful stuff. There's um, a one, two here, which is uh, Comes a Time and from Hank to Hendrix. Comes a Time is arguably his most loved pure acoustic set. Um, a 1978 album, magnificent, beautiful melodies. One of his most acclaimed albums. So I was really, like, hearing that song was just amazing. Hearing it next to, from Hank to Hendrix, the Harvest Moon song, and how well that song ha stands up to Comes a Time is a revelation. It's also one of the most poignant 
moments on the album because a lot of the tracks are clearly chosen to reference or invoke uh, emotion about his you know, half a century manager who'd passed away. Uh, really, really beautiful. And my favourite Neil Young album is On The Beach, probably. And they do actually play the title track of On The Beach, which I was like, the set list here is just jaw-dropping. A couple of things about On The Beach, the title track, which Radiohead have covered, is it shows that Neil Young, I wish we'd had, he's done so many different sort of genres in his career. I wish we'd had more post-rock Neil Young. Because on the basis of On The Beach alone, it, he's with his um, love of texture and guitar tones and drones, he would make such a great post-rock album. Um, it's, it's a fantastic version. The vocals and the tone really invoke the recording version from the 74 album. Uh, it's magnificent stuff. It's looser. Uh, it's got like twinkling keyboards in the background. It's a real high point. Um, and even though this is like a greatest hits, when we do get a track from Harvest, his best-selling album, we get Ready for the Country. So you're not getting like After the Gold Rush or Heart of Gold here. Um, it's, it's, that's, that's as close as he gets. So, um, and what's the other one? I've been waiting for you. Yeah, that's another real standpoint, standout. So he did a, like everyone thinks that everybody knows this is nowhere is his first album. But like David Bowie, he actually did a self-titled album before that, which everyone kind of ignored, and it never stuck, and it never really gelled with what he would do with Crazy Horse on the follow-up album. So hearing that track in this environment, it's a great song, uh, and it really works really well. And probably the most beloved Neil Young song that hasn't been on an album was Winterlong as well. It's another beautiful song. The Pixies have covered it, and Frank Black's gone on about how it's his favourite Neil Young song. It's only ever appeared on the, perhaps the defining collection of Neil Young, which is um, Decade, which came out in the 70s. Uh, a great starting point for uh, his discography. Even though it's you know pre-77, it's still got a lot of great stuff on there. In fact, this album is one of the best starting points for Neil Young's discography. It ends on Effing Up. Um, a track from Ragged Glory and from World and another really riotous performance loads of enthusiasm loads of fury and really going for it so I'm going to overrate this album massively it is, if you look at Neil Young's discography and how temperamentally he changes from one thing to another and there's no inroad this is probably one of the best inroads that he has put out since world in in 92 it's got a wide but unlike world it's got such a wide range of what he does lilting country laments hoedowns country rock country and the full-blown blitzkrieg crazy horse style guitar workout so it's one of his most appealing releases in this entire archive series and i'm going to give it a even i would say my complaint is that the um the mix sounds a bit muddy, and I mentioned before, it took me a while to warm to it a little bit, but once you have warmed up to it, it's the kind of album, if you've never heard a Neil Young song before, to put on a few times and acclimatise to the to the mix um, and, and the songs, and then you pull a lot more out of it. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, 
because I've listened to it and liked it more. And with collections and live albums, it, it's easy to be impressed the first time and go backwards. But every time I listen to it, I kind of get pulled a bit more into it. So a 9 out of 10 for Neil Young and the wonderfully named Noise and Flowers. <laughs> 